Hello again, everybody. You're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Melicio, and with me, as always, is one Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I am stoked. Big comeback in my 30-team dynasty. Outscored the guy by 50 points on the last day of the scoring period. Puts us back in the lead. Undefeated run continues. I beat you in the, the midweek matchup. I'm about to beat Jacob for the weekend matchup. So I have solidified my first place hold in the baseball life league as well. Uh, it's going awesome. Went home for the weekend, got to see a buddy get married. And you know, it's an Alabama wedding in the spring sure. when right at the beginning of the ceremony, the uh, tornado sirens start going off and everyone's just like looking around. <laughs> oh, no, not again. The groom said he looked at the pastor and just said, read faster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, re- I remember read faster. Uh, former prospect for the Mariners, right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, no. Okay. There is a Quinn Priester. There, I mean, th- this it yeah. wasn't a Catholic church. We have Quinn Priester now. For the Pirates? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I did a short blurb on him uh, in March when we were talking about the Pirates and how I kind of like three of their minor league pitchers down there. And Quinn Priest was one of them. Hey, there we go. So some some hope and promise for the Pittsburgh Pirate there. One day, one day they'll get it right. They'll write their own ship. <laughs> anyway, uh, me, uh, as you mentioned, I'm having a bad time with uh, in the baseball life league. Suddenly, I, my hot start has now kind of uh, fizzled as everybody, all my important players have decided to go on a slump. And if, that, if this doesn't show how important Juan Soto is to baseball, uh, my team is the definition of... Juan Soto not being there as for the second year in a row uh, in the first month of the season, Juan Soto is nowhere to be found because he's injured. So, uh, but most importantly for me, it's the, the superstar players that I draft, you know, the young players that I have on my team, Glavar Torres is slumping, Vladimir Guerrero, Rafael Devers. Yeah, he, I was saying, he had a, a hot start, Vlad did. And I, I'm just now looking and he went one for 11 for you this weekend. That's uh, it's tough to when your stars are having matchups like that. Yeah, and then the pitching shit the bed this past week with Lucas Giolito against you. That I knew I had once I saw Lucas Giolito just have an awful uh, Patriots Day start against the Red Sox. I knew I was going to lose that game as uh, nothing was going to help me there. But bright side, Kevin Gosman and Joe Musgrove continue to be um, the superstars I thought they could be at pitchers. So not all is lost, just a bump on the road as we see what happens on Monday. Uh, in the next period, I have no idea who I'm facing next uh, Monday through Thursday, but uh, at any rate, I made some adjustments. We'll see how that happens. And the points league, I am crushing not just Matt Bushnell of the football life for since the audible as he's just getting torched. Unfortunately for him, he got negative 10 points for Lucas Giolito on Monday. Oh, but uh, I am torching, I am torching his ass. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's a little bit of consolation there. And I'm also looking to advance in the championship game. Uh, in the basketball league to see if I'm, I'll be facing either Leon or Tyler. It looks like it's Leon and Leon is putting on a show right now in the other bracket. And I'm just kind of squeaking by in my win. So uh, it might be Leon uh, of the step back fantasy basketball. I'm sorry, not fantasy basketball and the, the step back podcast over at ball is life. So hey, bottom line, Sean is if, uh, if you're doing a regular podcast in the life group network, your fantasy teams are doing pretty damn good. I think. <laughs> yes, it is. So let that be a lesson to the rest of you. Uh, it's going to do, you know, Sean, I envisioned this um, when we, you know, on when I was thinking that we, how this show is going to look like when we do this on a regular basis. And I envision a little bit of prospect talk at the end of the month at the, for the last uh, show of the month, this is the last show of the month as uh, there's only 30 days in April. Next week will be May, May 2nd. 
So if you don't mind, I'd like to just throw out some prospects at you and uh, give, get your thoughts on these guys. As uh, I am looking at the CBS Sports most added minor league players uh, for today. And it doesn't matter if they're rostered or not. Well, the only thing I'm looking for is that they're, uh, yeah, I guess we'll call it uh, 60%. 60% owned. Is that okay? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. And uh, I'll just call them out. I'll just call them out, Sean. And the first name that shows up from a 28% to a 33% change for the, today, Davey Garcia, who is supposed to start on Monday. And hopefully that means he starts on, what, Saturday as well? I don't think he will because the Yankees are kind of, like you mentioned, babying him a little bit. Um, but Davey Garcia, what, what are his chances of him staying with the big league club uh, a- after this week? I feel like no matter what he does, it'll likely be out of his hands and dependent on, I, I'm not hundred percent sure what the Yankee situation is right now in the rotation. Uh, but he has the strikeout stuff that he showed all throughout the minors, but in 2020 in his uh, six starts that he made, uh, he struck out less than a batter per inning. Yeah. Uh, but the strikeout to walk ratio was still pretty solid. He had a, a walks per nine under 1.6. Always like to see that out of a young pitcher. Um, it's just a matter of getting that bat whiffing ability that he showed in the minors to translate in the majors. Yeah, I like him a lot. I just, I don't know what the Yankees are thinking about him. Uh, I don't know what their plans are with him. I, I, I mean, I have an idea. It's just not, it's too risky for me for fantasy baseball. It uh, is against the Orioles. I'm, I'm seeing that his start is against the Orioles. So I would probably run him out there. I would add him and run him out there. I would feel a lot better if, if they were to come back and say he's going to start both times this week, you know, Monday and Saturday, um, especially if you're in a points league. If you're in a categories league, I guess you can kind of survive with him only pitching maybe four innings, but he gets you a low whip and relatively high strikeout. But in a points league, uh, especially if, if you're in a league like mine where it's weekly, I would feel a lot better if he were just to um, uh, get that second start in uh, under his pocket there. But it, uh, I don't, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. I, I would be shocked if he's back on the bump on Saturday uh, for the Yankees. But uh, he is as good as it comes in terms of stuff. I know there's a question about his stature. He's only 5'9", 163 pounds. Um, so that's a little bit of concern. But, I, I you know, mean, there's what, probably less than half a dozen starters in baseball right now that are under 5'9", 5'10". There's not many. <laughs> that, and that's the that's what I mean. But Davey does have this uh, – you know, big fat, well, not big fastball, but, you know, uh, cur- the breaking pitches are there. The changeup is there. A little needs to work on command a little bit, according to fan graphs here. Um, fastball is at 50-50 grade, whatever, you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, but in terms of potential upside, he, he looks the part. I just, in terms of, you know, long-term, long-term, you got to pick him up, right? Yeah. If, you're in a keeper league or yeah, if you're in some sort of dynasty, he should, he, he's likely already rostered. Yeah. He, like I said, it's only 33% for now, but if he, so if he's available, there's a 70% chance you might get him. But and I mean, I'm in a keeper league as well, but I want to win now. And I don't trust uh, the Yankees and Davey Garcia this week. And it's my loss because he's already been picked up. So. Yeah. If uh, what makes that whole situation more enticing is if he were to make the second start on Saturday, it would be against Detroit. And anytime we see a pitcher have a two-start week against Baltimore and Detroit, it probably doesn't happen all that often. Yeah. But we would be clamoring to have him in your lineup, pick him up if he isn't already there. Uh, if he only makes the one start, it's not as you know attractive. 
But uh, the two starts versus Baltimore and Detroit, that's very nice. Moving on to Mackenzie Gore, who, uh, according to CBS Sports, he's only owned in 50% of leagues so far. So the limit is 60. I don't I don't want to go more than that. But Mackenzie Gore, I mean, if Davey Garcia is a nice prospect to look at, Mackenzie Gore is otherworldly, according to Fangraphs, with a 70-grade future value. Uh, I don't know why he's being picked up this week. Uh, is he going to be coming up soon there, Sean, or no? Adrian Morehone out. Denelson Lamette out. Okay. Uh, arms are starting. I don't want to say run thin, but it's uh, this weird situation that the Padres seem to have uh, put on themselves since last year in which they had this issue crop up last year at mm-hmm. the end of the regular season and into the bullpen. And instead of going to Mackenzie Gore, their top pitching prospect in baseball, they went to guys like Luis Patino, who yeah. ended up being traded. They <laughs> went to Adrian Morehone. They went to Ryan Weathers, who is a pretty good pitcher. I'm not going to take that away from him. But they went to all of these guys over Mackenzie Gore. And if I remember correctly, there were some reports of Gore at the alternate site. The velocity was not what we had seen before. Mm. And so it could be a ramp up issue. I'm looking that just two days ago, they were, um, who was it? Yeah. Morahone went to the 60 day DL. Uh, They called up Aaron Northcraft, who's I think more of like a swing man. It's just this weird situation the Padres have put themselves in that they've had opportunities to call up Gore. They've had opportunities, and they haven't. And that makes me very hesitant because if the team's hesitant, we should be even more so. But if this is a speculative ad that maybe he gets put into the rotation, right now it's Ryan Weathers. He's going to be the youngest starting pitcher in baseball. I believe he just made his debut a couple days ago, aside from uh, the playoff appearance. But... um. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure I would be rushing to add Mackenzie Gore right now. Well, for those who don't know, Mackenzie Gore has a, a ceiling of a 60-grade fastball, according to Fangraphs, uh, decent breaking pitches, 60-grade changeup at its at its uh, highest ceiling, command at 70 at its highest ceiling. I mean, it's a clear upside pick. He's only, what, 22 years old. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot to like here. But, yeah, like you said, I don't. I'm kind of perplexed on this one, too. As um, I saw that Ryan Weathers was going to be uh, going to have. Yeah, a they were they were using him out of the bullpen for a little bit. And now he's taken Lamette's spot in the rotation. Well, Lamette yeah. and Morihone. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I'm not holding my breath at Mackenzie Gore. It seems like we've, we've been waiting for him forever now. I know he's a young guy. But uh, when you've been getting that hype almost all your life, we expectations are ridiculously high at this point. So. All right, let's move on. Uh, Jerry Klenick, Wonder Franco, we know who those guys are. They're at 70, 77%. I just wanted to point that out. And then we get to 41% owned Atley Rushman. Uh, as you know, Sean, once again, catcher is super thin. He went, uh, it's only a 1% bump for him, but he's only at 41%. What do you, I guess the question I should frame is uh, how do you like Atley Rushman's uh, prospects for 2021? I just don't think they're going to rush it. I think they are going to give him playing time once the minor league season starts up here in a couple of weeks at the beginning of May. I I just don't think he's going to be a guy that they have any incentive to call up. Uh, Seattle, uh, the one of the GMs or someone uh, had an interview talking about, you know, the possibilities of Kalenic coming up. And he used the phrase, we don't want to, the Mariners are, he said, we're playing good right now. We don't want to rock the boat. But on the same hand, if they continue to play well into May, yeah. then and, and he starts off like 
with tw- 15 hits in the first two weeks once the minor league season starts, then yeah, maybe Klenick comes up. Uh, Adley could really do the same thing if he gets off to just an insane start and he starts off at double A AA or triple A. I just, the Orioles have much less incentive to do that. All right. That's what I think as well. But um, I don't know. It's, he's getting a lot of hype this year. Yeah. The but- only reason I could really see them do that is they want to get him acclimated to the pitchers they have on their staff right now. Cause a lot of those younger guys, Zach Louther just made his debut today for the Orioles. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing I, I, if they want to get him more acclimated and give him time to gel in a non-competitive season, which is looking like it will probably be for the Orioles. All right. Next guy on the list, uh, Jaron Duran, who, uh, oops, I kind of blocked myself there. Jaron Duran going from 9% to 12% this, uh, this week, I guess. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be called up soon, but if anyone's going to be called up, it's going to be the 24 year old center fielder. Who's the seventh best prospect in the Boston Red Sox farm system. According to fan graphs, uh, I don't see him ranked in the top 100 for fan graphs. So it looks like this is just a, a local Red Sox thing where fans uh, are, where those fans are trying to get an inside track on the guy. The best uh, attribute for Jaron Duran is his blazing speed. So there's might be some speculation from, and he started adding power. I believe it was in the uh, Caribbean winter league. He mm-hmm. tore the cover off of the ball and he had a really hot start to spring training and then really came down to earth. He had some swing and miss issues. He struck out and over like 50% of his last 30 plate appearances in spring training, but Left-handed bat, so I love him. He's got burgeoning power, love. He's shown a propensity to walk at least a little bit, love. And he's always hit for average just about anywhere he's gone, aside from his uh, 82 games in double A in 2019. But before then, in low A, uh, class A, and high A ball, 348 average, 12 stolen bases, 367 average, 12 stolen bases, 387 batting average, 18 stolen bases. And these are all in 50 games or less sample sizes. So he loves to run right now. That Red Sox team is clicking. So once again, they, they maybe they don't want to rock the boat because right now their outfield has been anchored by the likes of Alex Verdugo. Marvin Gonzalez has been rotating out there. Uh, Franchi Cordero and Hunter Renfro have really been struggling. So maybe that makes them more likely to call up Duran, uh, put him in center, move Verdugo over to a corner. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. He's I have him stashed in, I believe, one league uh, when I thought he was going to break camp. Uh, but uh, I'm holding on to him. I like him. I'd rather not have to bid uh, crazy fab money for him when the news breaks. He's being called up. All right. Moving on uh, to Dalton Jeffries, who is mentioned because he might he might get a rotation spot with the Oakland Athletics right now. Speaking of teams who might not want to rock the boat, it's the A's who after they must have heard us make fun of them all this whole time since March, maybe even February. And they've gone on a what, eight, nine game winning streak or something. They, they, they like won that? 13. It was broke today by Baltimore. Oh, was it? Thir- did they get it up was, to 13? They got up to 13. They lost like the first six or seven games in a row. Five, six, yeah. seven games in a row. And then they rattled off 13 straight. So the talk is that, uh, what's his face? Dalton Jeffries might uh, usurp Cole Irvin for that spot. Uh, do you see the same I believe wave? Cole Irvin's been pitching kind of well, so that would be shocking to me if he did. I heard that he has a short leash. That's why I'm asking. Oh, I mean, Dalton Jeffries is their, their top prospect guy. Um, but Cole Irvin, if I remember, he performed well in spring. And so far, he's had a couple of solid starts. Uh, low or a 3-8 ERA right now. 
I think he's had a couple of good starts and like one or two really bad starts. So, you know, four start sample size, take of it what you will. Um, I don't think they'll rush Jeffries unless they really have to, because they did that a little bit last year and struggled in a couple of appearances. So unless there's like a Frankie Montes ghost IL stint coming, because he's really struggled. Yeah. uh, 25 year old Dalton Jeffries, uh, number five ranked on the uh, fantasy uh, fan graphs uh, prospect list for the Oakland athletics Uh, is the change up in command that is very intriguing for him. Uh, But he's been used out of the bullpen as well as uh, going every five days in the minors, especially in 2019 in AA. Uh, he posted some decent numbers, but again, it's hard to tell where the starts and where the relief appearances uh, differ there. So it's a very tough prospect to gauge, but um, I don't know. I think he would be someone that you might have to stash just because you never know what the A's are going to do. And if they have that short leash on Cole Urban, I know you said that he's been pretty decent, but if, if the short leash theory is true, you might want to just go ahead and attach yourself to him right now. So before he gets really good and 25 year old, Sean, I don't know about you, but to me, that just says that when he gets called up, he's ready to go. There's no babying. There's no developing that needs to be done. Like a Michael Kopech. I think he's uh, or, or if he gets put on the rotation that he won't be babied, like, you know, Chris Paddock or something. I don't know, just yeah. off the top of my head. So that's my, my uh, belief there. So might as well go for it. Tanner. Ho- okay. So, uh, so, the rest of this list is pretty much a who's who of minor leaguers. They're not going to get called up anytime soon. And a lot of them, these guys are long-term plays. So I'm going to switch uh, switch roles here and go to the most dropped guys now uh, who are in the minor leagues. And one of them is Tanner Hoek, who went from a 21% uh, ownership rate to 16%. Uh, Tanner Hoek, what do you think about him for the rest of 2021? So far, he's made, I think, two or three starts has looked really good. And then after each start, or after his first start, because he pitched, uh, I believe, opening day after Eduardo Rodriguez complained of dead arm. Hook went out there on short notice, pitched pretty well. They put him in the bullpen. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez comes back. Hook gets sent to the minor leagues. Yeah. And it's like, and then he came back up again due to an injury. Had a solid start. Uh, I really love his pitch mix. Uh, Has a good fastball, you know, solid velocity. And then he was always really a slider guy. And then he developed the splitter in the last couple of years. That's really helped him neutralize both sides of the plate. And right now, Garrett Richards looks lost. <laughs> and that that pains me to say, but yeah. Garrett Richards looks yeah. lost. And I don't think, I mean, Nick Pavetta has looked good. Eduardo Rodriguez and Nate Valdi have done very well. And it's basically Garrett Richards and Martin Perez at the back of that uh, rotation. And it really... I don't know how you're not starting Tanner Hook over one of those guys. Put one of those guys in the bullpen. Garrett Richards, I've, I've been saying for over a year now, Garrett Richards would be, a fen- I believe, a phenomenal relief pitcher. I think he'd be a lot like Seth time. Lugo. Yeah. And like you said, you think it's time. It's and time. Yeah. he's a Tanner Hook has to be starting for this Red Sox team. They're playing fantastic baseball right now. They're in first place. They have one of the best offenses in baseball so far. And he was recalled. Yeah. Last week he was the 27th man. He started and then he was sent back down. I don't Tanner hook doesn't deserve this. He really doesn't. (laughs) He should be pitching now. Uh, I agree. I mean, considering where the Red Sox are and how, you know, good Tanner hook can be. Why not? I mean, he's throwing the ball at 95 miles an hour. Um, He's serviceable. He's uh, has really good control. At least he's shown that so much uh, yeah, and so far he, this year, I should say. He had the three starts last year, K per nine over 11. Walks were high. He had a 4.75 walk per nine. That's not good. That's 
going to get you in trouble. But that was still with the strikeouts and the ability to suppress home runs. He had a 3.2 whip. Uh, and then this year, he has two starts, one relief appearance, K per nine over 10.4, uh, walks per nine, 0.87. That's good. Uh, 4.35 ERA, but the FIP is in the twos. And so is the XFIP. And his expected ERA from StatCast is 3.4, which is pretty close to the 3.7 that he posted last year. Yeah. I don't, he's a not a very young, I mean, he's about to turn 25, but yeah, he, he's. Like you said, I think he should be starting for a team that is now finds itself running the table in the division. This is your chance. Promote your guy. Get Richards out of the rotation until you can figure something out and put your foot on the gas. This this needs to be a guy that you have up. Because it's not a ma- it's only a matter of time before the Rays and the Yankees figure stuff out. The Blue Jays get healthy, and I mean that's a tough division, bro. That is a real tough division. So you might as well strike with while the iron's hot, and maximize your chances to win. I mean that's the way I see it. And like you mentioned, he's he'll be 25 on June 29th. It's the same issues with uh, that I just mentioned with Dalton Jeffries. You don't need to baby him. Just he's ready to go. He's 25. He should be strong enough to go out there every five days and pitch lights off for your team. And again, it's it's tough to kind of put that onus on a young guy like that. But uh, I mean, it's it's better than Garrett Richards or uh, or even Nick Pavetta or any of those other guys they got there. I mean, yeah, and, uh, you're, and you're not relying yeah. on Hook to be like your best starter, which is yeah. what happened when they called him up for those few starts last year, because uh, that rotation and the bullpen for Boston was an absolute disaster. And at points, he looked like the best starting pitcher in Boston in 2020. Uh, this year, they get Nivaldi, who's back to his normal self, and Water Rodriguez is back and awesome that he's healthy after his, you know, COVID scare and the symptoms that lasted even after he got uh, healthy, but I don't, it makes no sense that Tanner hook is the guy that just gets shuttled back and forth. It, that really makes no sense to me. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, Kyle Isbell is the next guy from the Kansas city Royal center fielder. He went from 14 to 9% uh, today. Uh, he was, I, uh, he was optioned to the minors. That's why. No, yeah, uh, okay. So he's he's a little on the old side too, just like the other guys. But I don't see the same upside. Uh, is there any redeeming qualities for a Kyle Isbell in your eyes? Uh, poor man's Jaron Duran. He's the Jaron. <laughs> he's the Jaron Duran that made the opening day lineup. Uh, he had like three hits in his debut. Uh, but if you look at his slash line, it's not. I mean, it's not ugly, but it's not good. He had a two sixty five, three oh six, three twenty four. He's got speed. Uh, but when you look at walk rate, a 41% strikeout rate with absolutely no power. And just to get to a 265 average for him required a 474 BABIP. Mm -hmm. So this is a guy, Kansas City's outfield has been probably their strongest suit so far with Michael Taylor and Whit Merrifield out there. Uh, So they sent him to the minors. Uh, He has some swing and miss issues, obviously. 41% strikeout rate is not going to cut it. And I believe his swinging strike rate was... Uh, yeah, it was 24% in the minors one year at one, one of the stops. It was 13% in the majors this year, which is not terrible, but it's high. It, it seems like he probably worked himself into some deep counts and just doesn't have enough contact skills to survive deep counts. All right. Sounds good. Sounds about right to me. Uh, let's move on to uh, Christian Pache, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Yes. I should know. I had him last year, and uh, I saw that he only – uh, was a center field defensive uh, type of player, which is good, but not good for fantasy. He, I guess he, did he get called, uh, sent down? Yes, he did on April 24th. Yeah, he was activated off the aisle and option to the minors, mm-hmm. um, which kind of is intriguing to me. Uh, 
this was one guy. He was on Keith Law's. I believe Keith Law had him as the number three prospect in baseball, and that blew my mind. Uh, Christian Pache is one of those guys you look at, and you're like, wow, if he ever figures offense out, he's going to be one of the best players in baseball. I just I look at his offense, and I've never been thrilled by any of it. He seems to be Victor Robles, which mm-hmm. a lot of people in the fantasy community love Victor Robles. I'm yeah. a little bit more hesitant. I actually think Victor Robles was a much more polished hitter in the minors. Yeah. And um, so far in 11 games before he went on the aisle, Pache, uh, 31 plate appearances, 42% strikeout rate, just like Isbell. Um, walk 3%, 133 batting average, swinging strike percentage of... Uh, 22%. Yeah, that's not going to cut it. And he's posted all throughout the minors, 15, 14, 12, 12, 14, 14, 15. He has swing and miss issues. This is not something that is new with Christian Pache. Um, people saw a little bit of a power burst in double A in 2019, where he had a 474 slugging, 11 home runs. I'm just not sure that's a real, I think that's more of a mirage because it's yeah. the outlier. And of course, he's going to be a great player, even if the hitting is terrible and he just plays defense. I mean, he's an 80 grade fielder. He's that good. But I don't see where he's all that fantasy relevant unless it's in a deep league and you're just want cheap steals because he did steal 32 bases in 2017 in the minors. So there is that ability there. I mean, he's fast. I mean, he's 70 graded fast, according to fan graphs. He's the number eight overall prospect. So maybe Keith Law's onto something. I mean, five, I, 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 I just thought it was shocking that he was I mean, like he was dude. ahead of Kalenic. And I'm just like, that hurts my head. I mean, dude, it, it, I'm shocked that he's number eight. Last year, he wasn't that high. I think he was like top 20, top 25. And now he's moved up to number eight, according to fan graphs. I, I that's a hell of a leap of faith. I mean, I get it. Uh, you know what it is, Sean? It's like it's it's the whole thing about athleticism and toolsy players. And this guy is he has it. He has and, I, and I avoid the tool. Yeah. I, I on, you know, principle alone, I tend to avoid the pure tools, guys. I might miss out on some absolute superstars, but the pure tools, guys that haven't really shown it. I got to see something. Yeah, I got to see something. Is, uh, that was my point that this is unrefined as unrefined can get. This is crude. This is crude, unrefined tool here. Um, tools, I should say, not tool. Tools, another term. <laughs> <laughs> tools. Um, but, you know, uh, and that sucks because he's with the Braves and they're trying to compete and their outfield is stocked. Uh, so there's no but room for him it, to play. Is it really right now? Because right now their outfield is playing in front of him in center field. Guillermo, eh, Guillermo Heredia and Ender Inciarte platoon. I mean, and the art and they're in CR today is or no, he's on the, I think he's injured. I, I don't see him on the active lineup. So, but when healthy, he's one of the best uh, center fielders. Again, that's a thing that it, it wanes down as you get older. But as as of right now, he's still one of the better center fielders out there. And last I checked, Guillermo Heredia has done very good for himself oh. this year. To in, in, in Ciarte strained hamstring for the seventh time in like four years. So, <laughs> I mean, his legs just fell apart. It was a weird thing with and Ciarte. I loved him. He killed the Mets though. But his legs just went, and they they went fast. Well, like I said, it, it's uh, mm, it, it does dip down after a while. So you got Acuna, he's not, and Azuna, the, the, those guys aren't going anywhere. And then Heredia, yeah. who's uh, hit him, he, he's done enough to stay up here. And then who's the backup right now? Now this NCR. Uh, it would have to be like Johan Camargo playing one of the corner spots. Adriana, um, Ihar, I, I don't want to butcher his first name. Ihari Adrianza. Yeah, he was playing some of right field when Acuna went down and uh, yeah, that's just a weird situation to be in that your top prospect is being 
cut out by Guillermo Heredia, who's been a barely replacement level player over his career. Like I said, they want that veteran uh, presence out there while they're trying to compete. And then the other problem with Christian Pache with the Braves is that Drew Waters is also kind of lurking. And he's <laughs> if a- we want to talk about swing and miss issues. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, I mean, he's, he's a top five prospect for the Braves, top 50 overall in Major League Baseball. So I, I think uh, that's one of those things where where you, you got some competition and and if you fail, they can replace you easily with another young guy, whether we like it or not, or whether we believe in him or not, I should say. Uh, so that's the issues. So if, you know what it is, man. It, it's also the, I was going to mention that it's it's this football mentality. If Christian Pache was a football player, we, we would all be screaming how he's the first pick overall, you know, <laughs> playing cornerback or something, right? So how tall is this guy? Yeah, 6'2", 215. Yeah, so he's, an tall, he, he's an athlete. Tall safety. Yeah. Tall safety, yeah. Tall cornerback, maybe. I mean, he's super fast. It's just a matter of time. When he puts it together, he's only 22 years old. So he has time on his side. We'll see. But yeah, right now it's as cool as cool can be in terms of the Christian Pache stock. A couple of guys here. Nick Neldert uh, for the Marlin. Any, hey, another anything? short starting. Neidert. Nick Neidert. Neidert? Okay. Neidert. Looks like an L to me, but okay. Oh, it is Neidert. Why does it look like an L? Uh, <laughs> this damn CBS. Damn you, CBS. All right. Yeah, so they have him listed at 6'1". Uh, but I believe they talked about him when he pitched against the Mets or somebody I was watching his start and they showed him standing in the batter's box mm-hmm. and he just looked like something out of a movie. Like he looked really small at the plate. <laughs> well, they always want to uh, hype up the inches there to show that he's no short guy. You know, so you can't be short playing professional sports as, as you know. <laughs> uh, well, what do you think about him? It looks like he's a command guy and a, you know more of a yeah, crafty I, guy than a stuff guy. Uh, I I avoid at all cost. Like okay. you would think his style would play in Marlins. He's just gotten roughed up. Like yeah, he has. Yeah, it's a very not. I don't. I, I don't want any part of it. All right, let's move on then. Uh, Brent Honeywell is being dropped from seventeen to sixteen percent. I, I guess this is a good place to stop right here with Brent Honeywell. Um, is he gonna get? Is he gonna see some major league action this year? With the uh, he league? he he already debuted and he was used as a opener once and I believe a follower once. He's uh, appeared in three games and opened two of them. Uh, four innings, four strikeouts, uh, a couple of home runs. They get, let's see the game logs because he had that uh, perfect debut and then in his last two outings against Kansas City and Toronto struggled. In two and a third innings, gave up four and runs over with two home runs and three walks. So probably needs a little bit more seasoning. Uh, Tampa has plenty of arms, so yeah. we'll just shuttle guys back and forth. And, and that's what I meant. Will he see any time later on this year? And, and, I, and as soon as I, those words came out of my mouth, I kept thinking to myself, oh, but Tampa's loaded everywhere at pitching, so... It's a t- tough order over there for Brent Honeywell, who is that's oh man, he went to he was among one of the top of the top prospects in Tampa. Now he's number 12 overall, according to uh fan graphs. Um, and I could have sworn his future value was much higher than 45, but it's sitting at 45 with the two things that are uh most appealing about him is his fastball and his changeup. But his injuries have t- have kind of derailed his progress. He's already 26 years old. Golly, where has the time gone? So yeah. And unlike the other two names we mentioned, which was uh, Dalton Jeffries and Tanner Hook, uh, Brent Honeywell is going to need some babying at 26 years old. So yeah, not a very good, uh, not a good, not a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, breaking news. Uh, yeah, Austin's... I was ju- I was just trying to pull up the scoreboard on it. 
Well, he's saying that Madison Bumgarner, uh, Austin from Inland Empire, are uh, one of Mr. our Mr. Cole followers. Calhoun, <laughs> Mr. Cole Calhoun himself, saying that Madison Bumgarner threw seven no hit innings in a doubleheader. It's seven unaf- perfect. Uh, I I don't see a hit by pitch. Oh, okay. So, uh, but a- it might he no hits, no walks. He might have hit a batter though. Okay, so it might be a little league perfect game for sure. It's a little yes. league no hitter, but uh, uh, this is going to cause some controversy because people are going to be pissed at why come Hong Kong he doesn't get a no hitter. You're ruining baseball, man, Fred. You're ruining baseball, goddammit. Why does he get a no-hitter? Because <laughs> no-hitters, as defined by the rules, are nine complete innings. It's like the whole thing with uh, with uh, Shane Bieber when I said – I accidentally said that he got a complete game against the White Sox. And no, it's not a complete, complete game because the game went on to the 10th inning. Like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. But for oh, okay. no-hitters – So Henry's no letting us okay. know there is a hit-by-pitch, so it was a no-no. But it's not a no-no. It's a no-no-no. Yeah, it's uh, it's a seven inning no hit outing for Madison Bumgarner, which is good, but it's not a no hitter because by definition, I believe no hitters have to be nine complete games. Uh, yeah, I mean, because if we're gonna let him have a no hitter after seven innings, and I get this, is how many starting pitchers have lost their no hitters in perfect games in the eighth inning and then in the, the ninth, ninth inning? inning. Yeah. So yeah, I understand why, but uh. Good on Madison Bumgarner. Maybe he's going to go get added in a bunch of leagues now, and then you're just well, going to feel nothing but disappointment and hate <laughs> when he get, allows 11 earned runs in his next start. Well, that's the follow-up question. Right now, he's only rostered in 46% of leagues at CBS. Oh, Does this make him rosterable, I guess? Yeah, he he posted for the start um, through only innings. three. Yeah, uh, four-seam fastball, cutter, curveball, and generated only a 30% uh, CSW, which is the uh, called strikes plus whiffs, uh, and thirty is good. It, it's not like elite, but it's it's very good. Um, his fastball averaged ninety two. Or no, that's the exit velocity. Yeah, <laughs> the exit velocity and his pitch velocity uh, were about the same. He averaged ninety one on the fastball, eighty six and a half on the cutter. Uh, that ninety one mile an hour average fastball is actually almost up one mile per hour from last year. Uh, Madison Bumgarner is a guy I'll never count out just because he knows how to pitch. The yeah. stuff is gone, but he still knows how to pitch. So I wouldn't be shocked if he throws a couple of gems like this still, but he's just a risky play. He's so risky. He gets shelled almost way too easily. Yeah. And it's um, a risk that you really have to take. So here's an interesting fact for you. Zach Gallon and Madison Bumgarner threw for a combined one hitter, hitter. in 14 yeah. innings against the Atlanta Braves. And we talk about Madison Bumgarner having issues. What's up with the Braves, man? That I mean, we just talked about uh, Christian Pache. Maybe they can use him right now <laughs> in him and his hacking ways. But that's not a good sign if you're a Braves fan. Yeah. I mean, Zach Allen, of course, great pitcher. Uh, don't want to knock him there. He came back. I know a lot of people were freaking out that, oh, no, he broke the bar, uh, arm bone in his arm, you know. But, uh, yeah, I didn't realize that I mean, he had the complete game there, too, as well. Only allowed happy. three base runners. Yeah, good happy. for him. I didn't, I didn't give up on him. I didn't give up on him. So he's still on my team. And I am now rolling on all cylinders right now, Sean, uh, with Zach Gellin finally healthy. Well, hopefully he stays healthy, right? Because we don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, like I said, if you're a Braves fan, your team is in deep trouble. Uh, they're not looking very good. And that NL East, we mentioned it time and time again, that is one tough division. To be Teams are just going to bully themselves this year against the National League East. It's... Right. Even the Marlins are tough. Yeah, the, the Marlins. Yeah, the Marlins are tough. As much as I like to make fun of them, they are a tough team. They're in third place right now. And then the Nationals, they have that veteran Moxie we always talk about. So uh, they need to pick up the pieces there in Atlanta. Uh, 
Oh, okay. So Henry saying it was a throwing error, not a hit by pitch. My oh, okay. <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, I, I want to talk about uh, and since we are we're on that doubleheader. Paven Smith, my the my prospect we talked about him this year in the offseason, I believe. Yes, uh, he did. was one of the guys. Uh, he came up as a first baseman. He was drafted as a first baseman with very light power. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started getting some exposure to the outfield in 2019 in Double A, and then during the shortened season, he was at the alternate site to start off. And I almost didn't believe my eyes when I my first saw it, but they said Paven Smith is taking reps in center field. And I'm like, what? This is a guy with really no agility. And he had worked on it. He started at first base in game one and started, I believe this was his third or fourth time in center field. Um, after taking over, of course, they've lost Cattell Marte to injury, Tim LaCastro to injury. So Paven Smith is filling in and he went three for four with the home run and I believe a triple in game one. So uh, one of those lesser known prospect guys that you really buy into. It's oh so sweet when they do something like this. Yeah, when you mentioned Paven Smith this offseason back in the, in the winter of this uh, past year or so, when you were describing Paven Smith, he sounded a lot like how Reese Hoskins kind of uh, eventually came to fruition because I believe he was a Hoskins was a pretty late bloomer. And not only that, I don't remember ever, ever seeing him as one of the top prospects for the Phillies or even in Major League Baseball. So uh, although Hoskins is a little bit bigger, way bigger than Pavin Smith, but I feel like the track record and the both of them being first baseman and uh, also being, you know, pretty decent uh, patient guys, I guess, in terms yeah. of drawing walks kind of reminded me of that. But like a poor man's Reese Hoskins, I should yeah, say. His uh, home run today had an exit velo of 110.8. So, hey, big boy home run. Uh, his baseball savant sliders look excellent. Uh, he's got a 337 expected batting average, which is a 95th percentile, a 91st percentile in whiff. He's not missing fastballs. He has a 5% whiff rate against fastballs. Um, still doesn't have a hit against breaking balls, but, you know, he, he did pretty well against them last year. So that will come. Uh, and like I said, he's just, he's one of those guys when I saw in person, I had seen a stat line before good walks, low strikeouts, lo- always love that. And then I watched his swing and I was like, there's something here. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, thank you, Vince Bark and Daddy for dropping him in, uh, June, 2019. I am reaping all of the rewards now. All right. Good for you, Jack. Good for you. All <laughs> right. Let's, let's move on to some of the most added guys. And I know we've been doing 70%, I believe. Was it 70%? Let's drop it down to uh, 60% because there's a lot of guys that we've talked about in the past who are still lurking around that uh, percentage. And the first guy I want to talk, I want to ask you about, well, we already kind of mentioned him earlier today. And that's Ryan Weathers, who for obvious reasons saw a big spike. And ownership rate going from 12% to 44% with the news that he will be part of the rotation uh, from here on out. Uh, Anything else you want to add about Ryan Weathers before we move on to the next player? Lefty, four-seam slider. He was, of course, the guy. He made his debut in the postseason for the Padres last year. Um, I got to see more of him. I haven't really watched a whole lot. Obviously, he's had some early success so far this year. ERA under one. Uh, we'll, We'll see how he does. He's a, a very young starting pitcher. I mean, he's the youngest starting pitcher in baseball right now. So um, you would expect some growing pains, but you never know. Uh, before we move on, I want to just point out that Austin also mentioned about Garrett Richards, that he has not been the same uh, since he uh, had the stem cell experiment. Uh, I vaguely remember that. Well, what happened there. with him was he had the stem cell experiment to avoid Tommy John. Right. And he ended up having Tommy John anyway, came back for the Padres at the end of 18 or at the, uh, end of 19 
and pitch well with them in those few starts and into 20. And the stuff is still there. Yeah. Which makes me believe it's a pitch mix issue. And I want to be surprised if it is. All right. Uh, moving on to Adoles Garcia for the Texas Rangers. Uh, who's this say? <laughs> Number 35 ranked <laughs> prospect for the Rangers, but he's uh, found a, a home here for Texas recently as some of his speed and power mix has kind of come alive. What can you tell us about Adoles Garcia for the Rangers? Uh, brother was Adonis Garcia, who I believe also was in the Cardinals organization and went to Texas just like him. Or maybe I'm confusing the two of them. No, but I'll look it up. Was, it, I, was Adonis, he was he debuted in St. Louis, I believe. I thought he was a Brave, a Braves player. Possibly. Uh, obviously, the sprint speed's good. Uh, his defense has been stellar, which should keep him out there. Uh, what I will worry about is the walks and strikeouts and swinging strikes look very eerily similar to Austin Riley's first two weeks Mm. in the bigs when everyone was like, Austin Riley's great. And then he had a plus 30% strikeout percentage and a walk rate under like 4%. Uh, Right now, Garcia is at a 4.3 walk percent, 30% strikeout rate. Uh, He's shown these strikeout issues in the minors and in his brief cups of coffee in the majors before. Um, so I am not running to get him. I believe this is a hot start. He's, you know, barreled up the ball. So he's got a lot of home runs, uh, five so far in only 12 games. But yeah, I'm not, that's not the type of guy I invest heavily in. All right. So a short-term solution there for Adoles Garcia. Adonis Garcia got his start with the Yankees, then went to the Braves. That's how I recognize him because he was a Braves player. He got called up by the Braves, and now he's in the Mexican League. Or no, oh, yeah, he. Uh, I remember no, he uh, started at third base for them for the Braves. I believe. That's, yeah, that's how yeah, I remember. Yeah. Okay. Actually, he's he ended up in the Mexican League, and currently it looks like he's in the Korean League in the KBO. Hmm. So there you go. So he's uh, what 36 years old. So yeah, it makes sense that he's no longer in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Adolis Garcia. I think this is where you got mixed up. Adolis Garcia, the brother, you say, he's the one who started with the St. Louis Cardinals. Yes. And he was traded. Yeah. Yeah. A, lo- a lot of people are saying, oh, this is Randy Rosarena 2.0. And I'm just like, eh. I don't think I, so. I want to go that far. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, uh, you know, I, you mentioned something that kind of triggered my memory right here. Uh, and I wanted to talk about really quick before I forget about Jay Bruce who finally called it quits uh, this past week. And a little, I have a little connection with Jay Bruce because back when I was an aspiring sports writer, back in the 2008, he got called up. And I don't know if you were playing fantasy baseball back in those days in 2008 when Jay Bruce was being called up by the Cincinnati Reds there, Sean. But boy, when he got called up, it was mayhem because he got off to number one, he got to a really fast start. And number two, he was a very, very highly anticipated prospect uh, for the Reds for a while. And I saw some of the craziest things ever uh, during that time period where people were giving up a lot of good players to get a a taste of Jay Bruce on their own team. Didn't matter if they were in dynasty leagues or keeper leagues or, uh, or uh, what do you call redraft leagues, but people were just knocking on on the door and the owners who picked up Jay Bruce made a killing taking advantage and selling the price high on Jay Bruce. And it ended up biting people in the ass because guess what happened to Jay Bruce? After a hot start, he kind of came back to normal. And I don't know about you, Sean, but I don't think he ever lived up to his uh, lofty expectations. But, you know, he played for the Mets for a while. I mean, he played everywhere for a while. And then he yeah, the season you know, the Cincinnati to the Mets, Mets to Cleveland, Cleveland back to the Mets. 
Mets to, to Seattle, Seattle to Philly, Philly to New York. Trying Yankees. to do that. Trying to do that Jason Giambi thing, and it just yeah. didn't work out for him. A lot of people were kind of making fun of him because Sports Illustrated mentioned something about the shift killed Jay Bruce's career. Oh, I thought that jo- that piece was so. Oh, I hate. I did. But I, I hated it, that piece. I hated it reminded it. me of a piece that I, I was it beyond the box score. I know I posted it somewhere. I don't remember where exactly, uh, but it was a piece that the beyond the box score did on Ryan Howard that was similar. Like the shift ended Ryan Howard's career. And there is something to be said about that. But, you know, Jay Bruce, he'll tell you the first thing. Like, I'm, I'm here to, put, you know, put the ball over people's head, drive the ball to the gap and into the seats. So, I don't know. It's a mixed bag. That's a different topic of conversation. But, I don't know, I just seen Jay Bruce retire kind of brought memories of my prehistoric uh days as being a, a an aspiring sports writer in my mid-20s. So that I feel of, like he was one of the preeminent power hitters in what was, you know, the pre-juiced ball era. Mm. I mean, he was a guy who, in his first three years in the big leagues, the first two he didn't play over 110 games, still hit 21 and 22 home runs. Uh, then 25 in his first really, you know, full year, 148 games. And then three or four out of the next five years hit 30-plus home runs. And this was right as the ball was, you know, maybe getting a little bit more lively. And so I think that just speaks something to how strong he was when he was young. And of course, everyone's going to remember the Jay Bruce, who was the laughing stock on Twitter for the last three weeks that he was in New York. But that's not the way we should remember Jay Bruce. It, re- it really isn't. I think he was a great hitter. Uh, he was an underrated uh, base runner. Even in his younger days, uh, he had speed that I think not a lot of people realized. Uh, he was never a complete zero. Uh, he had 65 stolen bases, but was caught 40 times. So his successfulness wasn't there. But the speed that showed that he could steal that many bases, uh, I always remember him going first to third a lot as a Met. Even though he was a bigger, he was older, he was in his early 30s. But a uh, great teammate by all accounts, uh, from Joey Votto to Curtis Granderson, all reached out and, you know, we're talking about how good of a teammate he was. So uh, best of luck to Jay Bruce. Honestly, I enjoyed him as a Met. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed his career. I was always waiting for that uh, big promise as a prospect, which never came. I mean, it, I mean, we saw glimpses for a short stretch, but he was supposed to be more than just a short, short stretch player. And I'm always going to be connected to him because he was one of the first players I, I actually got to evaluate when I was starting out my writing career, and which has led me to have a podcast with you. And so I have a connection with Jay Bruce because that's where it started with him. So. Then that's all I'm going to say about that. But I mean, happy he trails had 319 career home runs. I, I would call that a success. Most top prospects nah, man. We don't we get half hoping, of that. <laughs> we were hoping for 400 or 450 home runs. We were hoping for uh, Giambi 2.0. <laughs> yeah, I just that's why I mentioned him yeah. earlier. And 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 for the Reds, so it's a hitter friendly ballpark. I was expecting 40 home run seasons every year. Uh, and just uh, I don't know. Like I said, <laughs> people were trading away have to roster just to get a piece of this guy and it ended up biting them in the ass. So it's pretty funny. I remember I, feeling that way about Matt Wieners when he was first called up. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> uh, the, the list of catchers who have broken my heart over the last 20 years in this stupid ass fantasy baseball realm. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I was say, here we are. We're, we're wishing a, a fond farewell to Jay Bruce. And when Matt Wieners finally calls it quits, we're just going to sit up here and roast him for 30 minutes. <laughs> he was supposed to be the next Johnny bench. No, I'm, I, I'm telling you, what if Adley Rutschman is just Matt Wieters? I'm telling, that's why I don't trust catchers. Uh, Joey Bard, Adley Rutschman, I don't mm. trust them. Give me 
that's why sign up, sign me Yasmani Grandel to long to, to a long-term deal. Sign me JT Riomuto to a long-term deal. I'll even take James McCann at this point. <laughs> and, I, and, and, you know, I'm kind of have reserved uh, judgment on James McCann. I don't think, I don't think he's all that you seem to see there, but at least you know what you're expecting to get with Adley Rushman. That could be anything. It could be Adley Rushman. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, let's see here. Oh God, here we go. Henry has something to say as his show, Dong City, will air tomorrow. So he's just getting he's just getting started for tomorrow's show. Remember when Buck Showalter cried about free agency and said he'll be a Yankee? Uh, is that Matt Weeters? I don't. Maybe. Uh, I would think because Showalter managed Weeder, so I'm that's assuming I'm that's saying. the connection he's trying to make in the comments here. I know that Showalter had a problem with Chris Davis getting a shit ton of money from the Orioles, and it turns out he might have. He was been probably right. he was probably mad because it didn't go to him. He said, "I've been around yeah. for forever. I want that money. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that money." He says. I decided not to bring in Zach Britton and brought out uh, Uvaldo Jimenez. Uh, yeah, uh, Henry's confirming that yes, he's talking about Matt Weeters. Okay. But yeah, Matt Weeters, T- Toby Hall, Josh Phelps. Um, geez, the memories are just storming right by me right now. For every Salvador Perez, remember, you got like 20 Matt Weeters out there. Just <laughs> All right, who's next on the list here? Ah, my guy. Alex Wood, who I picked up everywhere in all my leagues. I'm buying in on Alex Wood. There's a couple of things I like about him. Alex Wood, right? Hear me out. Former heavy, uh, highly rated prospect for the Dodgers. So that's a good thing. Pitched for the Giants, that ginormous ballpark. You know how I like my Giants players? Pitching at home with the Giants. <laughs> Pitching at home. With the Giants. Alex Wood, uh, uh, he could be Rich Hill, a younger version of Rich Hill if he puts everything together, which I think he has right now. Has a ridiculously high strikeout rate at 27.5%. I'm all in on the Alex Wood bandwagon. He's only gone to uh, pitch two starts so far, but I think we might have seen some flashes and glimpses of what the future might be for him last year, and I think uh, it's coming to fruition this year. Do you see Alex Wood the same way I'm getting wood for Alex Wood right now, Sean? <laughs> Whoa! Uh, we got to put a little NSFW out. Wasn't expecting that. I, no, I honestly, yeah, I know. Honestly, I love this uh, rotation, and I shouldn't. It's so boring. I uh, told but, you. But the starting ah. rotation, yeah, Kevin Gossman's still not an ace. I don't care that he had 11 strikeouts again. I, I, I don't I, care that he had 11 I, strikeouts. I, I'm in denial. I'm in denial. I'm um, not satisfied. But you know which p- starting pitcher who's still 30 years or younger, like Wood, would just turn 30, that is on this staff that has dealt with a lot of injuries but has shown success in the past? It's not Alex Wood. And – I just want to talk about how the staff as a whole, uh, the top three rotations in baseball, according to ERA, um, in terms of staff and uh, bullpen, all three, top three, are in the National League West. The Padres are one, the Giants are two, and the Dodgers are three. Granted, it's .01 that separates San Francisco and L.A. I told you. But the starting pitcher, you want to talk about how – Alex Wood gets you all hot and bothered. I want to talk about how Aaron Sanchez is back. Aaron, Aaron Sanchez? Aaron. I love Aaron. And not only is he back, he's back with that low strikeout, low walk. He's actually walking less guys than he did before. A 59.3 ground ball percentage, leading him to so far a 1.83 ERA over four starts. Uh, almost 20 innings, so a little under five innings average. But this is a guy who dealt with so many injuries. He's only 28. And I think that this is a guy I'm really excited about is Aaron Sanchez. I told you. What did I say about this offseason about the Giants? Number one, the National League, uh, the West Coast is, is, uh, is 
you know, when he's not pitching in San Francisco, he's still pitching on the West Coast. What, what was the, what was the, uh, there, there, there's a really good question from Austin, but I'll let you finish. But, but the thing was, what was the, uh, the, 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 oh, I lost my train of thought, but the counter argument to that was, with the oh, West. but he has to face the Padres and the Dodgers. Okay. He, you know, Kevin Gossman showed that he can hold his own against the Dodgers and the Padres, and he still gets the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, who are just atrocious, even in Coors Field. But that was a concern, though. You know, you'll have to go to Coors Field and pitch against the Rockies. But what, what did you just say? Three of the top uh, five, top whatever in the team ERA, Dodgers, Padres, and Giants. It's not a coincidence, guys. And then the the, the pitching staff is just – it's not the greatest pitching staff on paper. It's oh, it's not. They're getting, they're getting it done, it's and that's the enough. amazing thing. And they're taking advantage of the surroundings and the ground ball rate you just mentioned. I mean, what does it say about that infield though? It's a bunch of old guys too uh, in yeah. their mid thirties. Longoria, and- Crawford, uh, Solano. Lestel. Yeah, let's. I think the average age of that infield has to be at least thirty-two. Has to be 32, 33. And then Brandon Belt showing that he can still uh, flash the leather at first base. So, no, there's a lot to be said about that Giants team. We talked, I talked about them and sung their praises all offseason. I'm not saying they're going to be world beaters, but that's going to be a solid team to watch and right now they're 13 and 8 i warned you guys about them nobody ever believes felipe he thinks he's crazy <laughs> uh shout out to uh henry for posting a resource uh not sources posting his sources about that buck showalter thing uh apparently uh showalter thought he his uh comments were off the record <laughs> i don't think oh, so buddy yikes <laughs> all right so uh he has a question okay let me read the question i'll let you answer it okay Austin Spiro is asking Alex Wood, Kyle Gibson, or Matthew Boyd. Go ahead, Sean. That is such a tough call because one Kyle Gibson is doing something that we've seen him do before. Uh, Matthew Boyd is having success in a almost unbelievable way, Uh, but I'm kind of buying it. And Alex Wood, I like, and I always have liked, it's just, He's destined to get hurt again, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, not in San Francisco, man. That's the, see, that's the beauty. <laughs> Hold on now. That is the beautiful part about pitching in San Francisco. You don't stress your arm out. It's the thing I always tell people. You know, you want to see more action. You want to see more balls in play. You want to see uh, pitchers, starting pitchers go more innings and not get hurt all the time. Make those ballparks bigger. Solves every problem everybody's bitching about. But guess what? San Francisco already has that problem solved. And therefore, I, I we should not have to see Aaron Sanchez get down uh, hurt like he usually does. Alex Wood should not get hurt as he usually does. Kevin Gossman has not gotten hurt as he usually does since he moved to San Francisco. Everybody just flourishes there, and then they, they're happy to leave their heart in San Francisco because that's yeah. what they do. But no, so of those three, Kyle Gibson to me is just like oatmeal, as uh, Derek Van Riper would say. Uh, Kyle Gibson is the definition of oatmeal. And Matthew Boyd is a guy who was breaking out in 2019, and everyone went buying for him going into 2020. And he struggled massively, uh, had an ERA over six. The strikeouts were down, walks went up, home runs got even higher, and they were high in 2019. But between 2019 and 2020, he had an ERA over five, but a FIP uh, or an XFIP of 4.1. So almost an entire run gap there. The strikeouts were nearly 11. The walks were at about two and a half uh, per nine, but his home runs were at 1.98 which is, you know, high. <laughs> That's like Steven Matt's levels high. And so far this year, Boyd has had five starts. He's gone 34 and two-thirds innings, averaging almost seven innings per start. His strikeouts per nine, 5.71. He's not striking guys out. He went from being a premier strikeout guy to no strikeouts. The walks are even lower. They're into the one-and-a-half region. A .26 home run per nine in a laughably low 220 BABIP, 
which I know is going to come up because his BABIP over the last two years in 19 and 20 was 307. But at the same point, if Matthew Boyd is figuring out how to, you know, get this weak contact, his average exit velocity is in the 81st percentile, which is solid. He's already shown that ability to strike guys out. Is this him taking the next step? And is the next step after this combining the two? Because if that's combining the two and he starts getting the strikeouts with this ability to pitch deep in the games, I have Matthew Boyd in a couple of leagues. I have one league where I have Boyd, DeGrom, Bueller, Kikuchi, and something else. And I am running away with ERA and whip right now. And uh, But out of that three, I probably pick Matthew Boyd. I believe Alex Wood gets hurt and Kyle Gibson is just Kyle Gibson and does not excite me. Uh, as crazy as this sounds, I mean, all these guys are over 30 years old, but I have to like Alex Wood on this one. As he's, I still believe he has the upside to just blow the smoke out of the water against these three, the other two pitchers. Cal Gibson might be the safest choice. And yeah, I, I, I could see him having like a, uh, just really Matt, weird uh, to say uh, loud, what, what was his name? Uh, what's a uh, minor Mike minor, Mike minor uh, had that really good year in Texas a couple of years ago. I could see Kyle Gibson doing that. The, the mid thirties breakout season and then comes back to earth the next year like i said i was trying to say kyle gibson being the safest pitcher of the three is just so weird to say out loud but it, it is what it is the other thing uh, other problem i have with matthew boyd is he pitched for the tigers you don't know what to expect from the tigers you don't know how the run support's going to be or who's going to bobble the ball in the infield or outfield and uh, i am a little concerned about the lack of strikeouts although you explain why it may, may not be such a big deal, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, for a guy that averaged nearly 11 strikeouts per nine over the last two years, which followed a pitch mix change, he started throwing that slider, you know, right. more and more. Um, but for someone who's had such bad home run issues, he's never been a high BABIP guy. He's, his BABIP was right around 300. But now the BABIP's at 220. Uh, the XBA is at 240, which in – wasn't the best in 2018. He had a 209 expected batting average against, and in 2019, 218. Uh, so he's kind of in between. Uh, expected ERA is 3.2. So it's not fluky, honestly, uh, like you would think with his BABIP and his home runs per nine. But uh, we'll see. It's an interesting uh, choice for sure. All right. So I went back to 2018 up to the current uh, timeline that we're in in 2021. So from 2018, since 2018, compared to all three pitchers, right? Uh, Alex Wood, you mentioned already that he gets hurt a lot, and you could tell because he's had only 38 game starts since 2018 compared to Kyle Gibson and Matthew Boyd, who average about 79 together combined. Uh, strikeouts, uh, Matthew Boyd gets the edge there. Uh, Sierra, Alex Wood gets all those fancy ERA peripherals, probably because he hasn't pitched a lot. But when he does pitch, he's been one, good. He really he's has been pretty freaking yeah. good. Uh, he induces Alex Wood induces a lot of swings outside the strike zone, which is something I love to look at. The contact rate, uh, is somewhere hovers around 75% for all three of those guys. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Wood does get a higher hard hit rate, but none of these guys are over 40%. The solid starting pitchers here, by the way. Uh, and Matthew Boyd has shown the ability to just have a really high swinging strike rate compared to the other guys. Uh, in terms of the exit velocity, 88 miles per hour for all of those guys. So you really can't go wrong. But it, like I said, Gibson might be the safest. Boyd might be uh, someone with who might give you might figure things out and go on a hot streak and go back and pitch to his uh, uh, regression to the mean, I guess, so to say. But I still believe in Alex Wood. I still yeah, think that he might be the highest upside there. Since coming back, it's interesting to see that before 2020, 
he didn't throw a slider. He was sinker changeup curveball with the occasional forcing fastball that might just be a glitch of the cameras picking it up wrong. Is that um, Matthew Boyd? No, no, uh, Alex Wood. Alex Wood, sorry. And sorry. now, since 2020, he throws sinker slider change, and we could go in and look at the pitch shape and see if he's his slider has just changed a little bit or his curveball has changed a little bit, and now it's a slider. I know that happened with a couple of guys I've seen lately. But um, the slider has always, you know, been pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it's great right now. It's got a 48% whiff rate. Uh, you just worry about a guy who throws the, a sinker at least 40-plus percent of the time. Um, over the last few years, a batting average against 292, 270, um, with expected batting averages that back it up, that say he deserves to have that. Right now, his batting average against on the sinker, uh, he's only throwing at 91.4 miles an hour average. A 222 batting average against two, uh, 261 uh, expected batting average, 556 slugging against it, a 628 expected slugging. So that sinker still looks like a very hittable pitch that maybe he's just trying to get by on the slider change. Uh, and I mean, he's throwing the slider 40% of the time. So that's maybe why he's getting as far as he is right now. All right, let's move on. Uh, well, I, I guess uh, we're already at the top of the hour. I don't know when exactly we'd start, but let's finish up strong here. Let's go with another Giants pitcher since we're on the topic. Anthony Disclafani. Uh, that's an, again, gotta love these guys, man. They're in the perfect situation to be pitching. I, I give kudos to Farhan Zaidi for like piecing together this rotation, and yeah. it might not last all year. But he's pieced together these guys that we had high hopes for like five years ago. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, this is like the all 2015 breakout uh, pitching rotation. And yeah. here they are five years later. Uh, they're 30s. all like in their 30s yeah. and they're making it work. <laughs> well, he's having a good time right now. Nine strikeout per nine, 2.57 walk per nine. Uh, he looks legit, man. He looks really legit right now. And I kind of, I'm kicking myself for missing out uh, for everybody else. He's owning 57% of owner uh, of leagues in terms of CBS. So at ESPN or Yahoo, he might just still be available for you to pick up. Uh, and he makes our cut at 60% below 60%. So that's why I mentioned him. Uh, Kyle Gibson. We talked about, you mentioned him as oatmeal, uh, but it looks like he's about to post one of his better seasons. It, it, it's it's funny that you mentioned I've just pulled up uh, Anthony DiSclefani's uh, baseball savant page, and I wouldn't be shocked if he's wearing because uh, I believe he's only on a one year deal. I wouldn't be shocked if he's wearing a Pittsburgh uniform next year uh, because pitchers similar to him based on velo and movement. Twenty twenty one JT Brubaker, twenty twenty Chad Cool, uh, and also twenty twenty one Kyle Gibson, who you were just talking about, and I rudely interrupted, so I will hand it back to you to wrap up your thoughts on Kyle Gibson, aka oh, no, was, Mr. Was, Oatmeal. That was it right there. But getting back, <laughs> that, no, I mean, but, Oatmeal, you finish it just like that, just like that. You 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 gotta you 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 know you gotta get through it, and you get through it, and you feel better for it, but you don't know you're not satisfied. But no, getting back to the what you just mentioned about um, Kyle, was it Kyle Gibson you were talking about going to Pittsburgh, right? No, uh, Anthony Disclafani. Oh, uh, okay. the, the pitchers similar to him are JT Brubaker and I Chad Cool, both both Pittsburgh Pirates. I was just gonna mention that. Come on, man, Pittsburgh doesn't sign any free agents. You should know better. <laughs> God, that's such a pathetic. They franchise. could probably sign me if I sent in a nice enough video. Could well, use a little <laughs> bit of editing, but yeah, hey. After Kyle Gibson, we stay in Texas and mention Kohei Arihara, who you've uh, we talked about here and there. And every time we think, I think we're done with him, he sneaks back up. Only owned in thirty three percent. He's been getting a little bit better every start. It's a slow, like molasses kind of deal with him. 
but he's starting to look better. The strikeout is uh, the strikeouts are not what they should be in Major League Baseball, but he's getting through. I mean, three point zero five fifth out there, Sean. Yeah, he also threw an absolute clunker today. Uh, he allowed in only two innings, allowed six hits, four walks, no strikeouts. No. Oh! How right, often do you see a pitcher go in a game now with no strikeouts? <laughs> that that that's like the biggest red flag to me like you didn't get one not one not even the pirates pitchers do that but here's what's <laughs> but here's what's to like about orahara and this is why his uh oh, ownership Jesus. rate has gone up right uh from uh, yeah he's at 31 percent right now all right and on april 19th against the angels and we all know the angels are pretty tough this year right yeah five and two thirds two walks six strikeouts 77 pitches and if you're in a points league he should have gotten you 22 and a half points, at least in my points league he did. Uh, and I guess the Tampa Bay Rays on the road, five and two thirds, five strikeouts, no walks, 85 pitches, 22 fantasy points. And this is why I think he was, uh, he's been getting picked up lately, uh, going from 14% to 33%. But yeah, for this start, he's probably going to drop down to below 30% again for uh, ownership rate for Cole. He uh, has uh, a really fun baseball savant page to look at. His sliders are terrible, but he has seven, seven, seven different pitches. Uh, he throws a four seam fastball, 30%, 20 or slider, 20%. He throws a cutter and a sinker combined, 25%, a changeup and a split finger, and a occasional curveball. What that's like so much fun. Like if, if you're a hitter, you have no clue what's coming. And if you look at the performance of those pitches so far, his fastball is getting hit to a 533 batting average, just absolutely punished. I mean, he's averaging 92 on it, so that might explain it. He's just not fooling anybody. Every other single pitch, uh, he's allowed a combined five, only eight hits. He's allowed eight hits on 94 fastballs. And out of the other 90-something pitches, he's allowed eight hits. Uh, all have batting averages under 175. The slider, cutter, sinker, changeup, split, they're not hitting it. But they're crushing his fastball. So mm-hmm. do it that way, you may. Maybe you just should just stop throwing a four-seam fastball. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, you don't have the velo. Rely on your cutter. Rely on your sinker. We've seen a lot of guys do that. Madison Bumgarner, who just threw the no, 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 no today. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't throw a four-seam fastball really anymore. He throws that cutter a lot. Uh, he still throws the fastball, but the cu- cutter is what gets him by. And, um, yeah, it's – for only being 28 years old, I would think Ari Har would throw harder. But uh, Yeah. Ari Harder. and uh, Ari Harder. Yeah, well, you know, you something to do with it, uh, the way they play <laughs> baseball over there. There's it's- a joke to make uh, – to mix in a uh, Alex Wood, Kohei, Ari Hara team name. Uh yeah, would are we harder? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> da, 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 da. I'll leave now. <laughs> All right, let's uh, get through a couple of more players, and I think we're almost done here. Let's 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 finish up strong with these four players. Let's go with you mentioned Pittsburgh. Here's Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier uh, continues to move up the rankings here. He's at fifty four percent. It's a twenty percent jump from uh, compared to last week to this week. Um. You, I think you had nice things to say about him last time we talked about Adam Frazier. Can you kind of recap those thoughts one more time for us, please? I always thought he could have been uh, – when Jeff McNeil first came up, I thought he was going to be a lot like Adam Frazier. Um, Adam Frazier is just a guy right now that I feel like 
I, I don't know what to really think about him. He's had a couple of good years and a couple of bad years, and he looked like he was just going to be a, a solid average guy who never hit for power, but solid on base percentage. Uh, this year, of course, he's posted the best numbers really since his debut season in 2016. Um, he's trade bait. I think he is trade bait to a good team that is in need of a guy that Pittsburgh has no need for, especially uh, Cabrian Hayes, Pittsburgh, you know, phenom. Uh, he's gotten delayed, and once he finally comes back, they could always put Philip Evans, uh, who's been filling in quite well for Pittsburgh. They could put him at second base and Brian Hayes back at third because uh, I think Adam Frazier is supposed to be a free agent either after this year or next year. So we know Pittsburgh can't afford him anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, who's on the other? Uh, okay, here's uh, David Peralta, who uh, that's the gif I used earlier today to kind of let the people know that we had a late start today. Uh, David Peralta had a game for the ages. He's 33 years old. I've always liked him, but a couple of things going against him. He's getting older. He plays for the Diamondbacks, and he's left-handed. So that's the trifecta that I don't like. But it looks like are we going to believe that this is a big bounce-back season for David Peralta in 2021? I think we mentioned him on a show recently uh, within the last month or so. I think he's a guy that also gets traded. Uh, He's someone who's always made solid contact. He's had some platoon issues, um, but he's always hit the ball hard. He doesn't really swing and miss a whole lot. Uh, His defense used to be better than it was. It's kind of starting to be middling or so. I mean, he is 33, uh, but he's a guy, professional hitter, kind of like a poor man's Nick Marcakis who's hit the ball and slugged it a little bit harder than uh, Nick ever did. Um, mm-hmm. But he's never replicated that 30 home run season he had in 2018. But the batting average, he's a career 290 hitter, and I think that is legit. Somebody with his batting skills who's made consistently hard contact and is rate, rated in the top 5-10% of max EV, uh, max exit velocity since he debuted in 2015. He, he just finds a way to barrel the ball and, you know, hit the ball hard with without missing, you know, and whiffing a whole lot. So I think he's trade bait. Maybe a, I'm trying to think of a team that has use for him. Maybe the Dodgers, you know, they have all these injuries. Oh, Cody Bellinger out, Zach McKinstry out. Uh, maybe David Peralta goes to L.A. I don't know. All right. Here's some since you mentioned this, here's some similarity scores for uh, David Peralta here. Number one, Monty Irvin, the Hall of Famer. I don't think so. Uh, I don't know what baseball reference is doing to me right there, but let's not let's pretend that didn't happen. But here, here's here's more like it though. Eddie Rosario, yeah, so add, add a little bit. List of players that I can't tell the difference. Walks between. more than Eddie does, but For very sure. very similar skill set. Better defender. Former Dodgers and Cubs player Cal Daniels. I think I like that one the best. The the one I'm liking here from baseball savant is 2016, I believe he would have been on the Rockies then, Justin Morneau. Mm. I, I, I kind of like that comp. I think can Morneau I, was a bit a, more polished. Can I get an outfielder comparison? The, uh, the outfielder, they have a 2019 Gerardo Parra. Yeah. He, he, except they had like two very – but I can see how their careers might end up the same. Yeah. Parra was a fast guy. Peralta was a power guy, but they always had a better hit tool than I think people anticipated. So here's another one. AJ Pollock, his former teammate with the Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> Maybe was, he's going to go to Los Angeles and I platoon was, with his former teammate. I was just thinking that like <laughs> they'll, they'll reunite and win another world championship for the Dodgers. But yeah, that was a thing back in the day. Peralta and, he's, and Pollock. And he's, got, he's got one of the best, uh, I think, nicknames in baseball. 
Who, Peralta or Pollock? Yeah, uh, uh, Peralta. He's the freight train. He's the freight oh, train. Yeah. Whenever he came over to like, he had that seven RBI game and he went over and he did like, he's pulling down on the train horn. It was really cool. Oh, Better that, than that, Josh Donaldson's little umbrella thing. I hate that thing. That explains so much. Thank you for clarifying uh, <laughs> that. Uh, but yeah, that was supposed to be a thing in Arizona. Pollock and David Peralta. And I guess they made the playoffs a couple of times, I think, if my memory serves me right. And that's all they did. Just yeah. nothing much to it. Another name for you, Shane Mack from the Minnesota Twins. Uh, solid left fielder. Who? And the who? 32. Who? Uh, Shane Mack. Oh, oh, for player comparison. I thought this was a guy who's playing. Oh, I was no, like, no, who? No, 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 no. <laughs> Maybe in 1991, yeah, but yeah. not 2021. Uh, and then the last guy I wanted to talk about uh, in terms of the similarity scores according to baseball reference for David Peralta at age 32, Raul Ibanez, which I think that's the best comparison. That, that is a good one. I like yeah. that one. I like that, that is a good one. Baseball reference don't ever change. Uh, <laughs> let's go with Austin Gomber. Two more players for you. Austin Gomber of the Colorado Rockies. He was part of the trade. I, I, I recently found out today, or uh, this week, I should say, that he was part of the Nolan Arenado trade. Uh, as that was one of the pitchers that uh, the Cardinals brought to Colorado to in order to get Nolan Arenado. Any is there a, is there anything going on here with Austin Gomber? Is there anything to write home about with him for the rest of the season? I think so, a little I bit. Think so. I, I just I'm worried about it because you know one it's Colorado pitcher, yeah. But in 2020 he made uh, oh he only had the one or he had okay four starts, 14 total games, 30 innings. And he was 96th in barrel percentage, meaning he did a pretty good job of avoiding barrels. So far this year, uh, he's allowed more barrels, but his hard hit percentage is pretty good. So I wonder if there's a skill set there that we'd have to look back into his minors to see if he was, you know, a avoiding hard contact guy. Um, but the fastball isn't getting crushed. It should be according to his expected statistics, but it's not so far. Uh, the slider solid, the curveballs even more so. Um, he could maybe he's Kyle Freeland and we don't know it yet. Maybe he's the Kyle Freeland third place Cy Young guy before he has a six ERA the next year. And if he's the prior, then obviously you want him on your team because he pitches well. Uh, but he's a, a risky guy because, you know, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see where, where the heck did he go? Gomber, Gomber, Gomber. I lost. There he is. Uh, yeah, he's going from a 7% to a 24% uh, ownership rate over at CBS sports. I wonder if that has something to do with uh, the starts that are coming his way. Uh, while I looked it up, the last guy I wanted to talk about was Nico Horner. And yeah, he's had up- three straight consecutive uh, quality starts. I didn't mean to interrupt, but that would explain the uptick. Uh, one of them was versus the giants mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Um, one was the Dodgers in LA and then one was the Astros in Colorado, uh, yeah. all three, at least six innings, less than three earned runs, uh, struck out a combined 18 batters in those 18 and a third innings. So maybe there's something there. And as predicted, yep. He will be starting on Monday against the giants against our guy, Anthony Desclafani in, and in San Francisco, again, San Francisco. Wow. Again. again. And, and on May 1st, Madison Bumgarner and the Diamondbacks. So there's your two starts for Austin Gomber. With that knowledge being in your back pocket there, Sean, do you go pick up Austin Gomber and put him in your active lineup today? Is is the Diamondback game, I apologize, was that in Arizona or in That's, Colorado? Yeah, both of these games were on the road. So oh, yeah, in Arizona, I, I give him more of a, a hint. But uh, that Arizona team has been smashing the ball, uh, both in Cincinnati where they, I believe, swept or had three of the four. Um, and then they have won, I think, two or three in a row against Atlanta. 
Uh, that Diamondbacks team is on fire, so that makes it a somewhat risky play. Although I believe Gomber being a lefty makes it a little bit easier for him to neutralize some of those Diamondbacks bats. Uh, Paven Smith, David Peralta, um, Josh Rojas, all are left-handed. Uh, and I believe Eduardo Escobar doesn't hit lefties very well. So you might have a couple of matchup uh, pros there. And the last guy was Nico Horner. Uh, he got called up. It looks like he's been starting every single game for the Cubs this past week since being called I mean, up. Who, who wanted to watch Sogard and David Bodie platoon at second base anyway? Not me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so uh, I guess you're all uh, you're all in on Nico Horner then, I'm assuming. I mean, he's not my favorite, but I like it. And I definitely like the fact that, you know, in 2020, he showed an ability to take some walks. He's shown that early so far this year. Uh, so far, just looking at his first few games, he looks like a man on a mission. He's already has four hits, three walks in just three games, I believe. So uh, he's out. I think he's playing with maybe a small chip on his shoulder. This was a guy he played a lot for them yeah. in 2020, 48 games. And then after spring training, they say, oh, you're, you're not making the team. I would be pissed. Yeah, uh, especially I, if you played. I mean, he didn't do well in 2020, but he did well in 2019 when he got called up. Right. Um, yeah, I think he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. And if he's batting anywhere in that top five, which he very well could, uh, Javier Baez struggling could probably go down the lineup. Uh, then he's a guy that you got to put in. I think he would be a good one or two hitter uh, behind or in front of uh, Ian Happ. Yeah, uh, that's how I pictured it. For some reason, the Cubs didn't see it that way. Maybe that just goes into their the whole theory that they're trying to tank and lose on purpose and get rid of all their veteran players or superstar veteran players that got them that World Series in 2016. Uh, so here's another question for you. So we talk about this every single day, every single time, and this is going to be a running theme for the 2021, the second season of the Total Basis Podcast, and this is how we'll finish today. We talk about these uh, middle infielders who are just, they have high contact rates. And in terms of Nick Madrigal, he just seems to slap everything off the end of the bat. Yeah, and he got, he picked up another five hits since last week with a couple extra base hits. Yeah. So, uh, so he's how did Jazz up. Chisholm do this week? I, I'm sure Jazz did well. I don't want to. No, no, Jazz, uh, Jazz struck out too much. And that's always one of the things we talk about. It's one of the things we talk about is that he might be too patient that he's just letting those good pitches go by the wayside. But a guy like Nick Madrigal, also patient, is able to make ridiculous. Like, I'm talking otherworldly contact with the ball. It's soft contact, but it's contact nonetheless, and he's avoiding those strikeouts. So with that in mind, it's going to be a running theme for you, Sean, and for me as well. We're going, our second base slappy watch, right? Our, our high <laughs> contact, our, our too patient for Major League Baseball. You got Jazz Chisholm, Luis Arias, Nick Madrigal, Nico Horner. You got to pick one. Who do you go with? Uh, I'm going to go with the guy who is leading in a uh, zone contact percentage, meaning on pitches in the zone that he swings at, he makes contact and that's going to be Nick Madrigal. Yeah. Uh, he's at, um, 100% of 100 or uh, yeah, of all pitches that he has seen and swung at in the strike zone. He has made contact. Uh, his 96.3 contact percentage is the highest in baseball by almost three percentage points. The next closest guys are Nicky Lopez, Jake Cronenworth, and Miles Straw and Adam Frazier, who we just spoke about yeah. earlier. But uh, Nick Madrigal's a guy who I think he's just now getting in the rhythm of things. He's got that batting over uh, batting average over 300, on base over 350. Uh, Tony LaRusse is, uh, I think, watching. I think he is watching him strongly and intently. 
and he will be a leadoff or number two hitter in that lineup. He he needs to be. I think he would be great think, at the top of the lineup. I don't think he's leading off second, number two. Yeah, but then you have to supplant Adam Eaton out of that spot. Who, eh, who cares? Oh, I'm saying he's a high contact guy and he's left-handed too. So I'm pretty sure Larusa, who's old school, likes that righty right lefty, hand, lefty yeah. right hand left, and because that team is look pretty strong on the right-hand side and lacking in the left-handed side because they refused to bolster that roster like I wanted them to because they thought they were good enough to beat the Twins and the Indians in 2021 for that AL Central Division. Not that I'm disgruntled or anything, but... (laughs) uh, All right, so since 2020, Sean, I got all four of these second basemen lined up. And in terms of WRC Plus since 2020, so 2020 plus 2021 seasons combined, Josh Chisholm and Luis Arias, who are currently on my points league team, Lead all four of these guys are, are tied for first uh, compared to these four guys that I'm trying to do here. 114 WRC plus in third is Nick Madrigal and then Nico Horner as an 83. Uh, yeah, Horner so, really struggled in 2020. He played, yeah. but it was almost like he was pressing. I know a lot of hitters did that last year, so it is what it is. Now, now we mentioned that Madrigal does not strike out too much, but he also doesn't walk a lot either uh, since 2020. A guy who kind of has a similar profile, but I mean, I mean, it's Nick Madrigal, and then there's the rest. There's, you just mentioned it. Everybody else in terms yeah. of contact. This is why he doesn't strike out too much, but that's why he doesn't walk a lot either. A guy who is able to do both of those things, uh, limited strikeouts, and still walk a lot, Luis Arias. I love Luis Arias. He is a do. guy in... I mean, he's over his last 50 games, which is 20 and 21 walk percentage of 9.2 and a strikeout percentage of only 10.8. So almost one to one. Yeah. And uh, to be exact. Yeah. But uh, the thing that I'm shocked that make you are so high on him right now is that he over the last two seasons, only a mere 389 uh, slugging percentage. Does that worry you at all? That that is a concern. But at this point, Luis Arias compared to Jazz Chisholm and Nick Magical, at t- even though he's only 24 years old, he's had longer stints on the big league club. And there's my safety net right there, right? If Jazz doesn't figure things out, I, at least I have Luis Arias on my back pocket. Something that I can't say about Nick Magical because Nick Magical is just not there. I don't think he's there yet. I mean, yeah, nice week this past week. But guess what? Since 2020, Nick Magical still has this many zero barrels so far this year. And that's with the uptick in, in, in extra base hits, doubles and triples. So, yeah, speed is there. If, if I had to pick all of them, I, I would probably pick Arias too because he already is at the top of that very dangerous uh, Twins lineup. They seem to really like him there. And he actually is making slightly harder contact this year. His average uh, exit velocity has dropped over three miles per hour from 87.5, which is very low, mm-hmm. to 90.8, which is good. Uh, his expected batting average is higher than it's been the last two years at 321, was at 310 last year. Uh, the skills are only getting better. And Luis Arise is a guy who I watched him. I, I saw him in the minors. And you look at his numbers and you're like, okay, he has the tools and he's shown it. And then he gets to the majors and he does the same thing. And this is why I will always, always, always pick the guy that has shown it over the guy who hasn't which is yeah. why I believed in Jeff McNeil when Jeff McNeil came up and Keith Law was saying, oh, he's a 26-year-old player in AAA in a hitter's ballpark. Like, no, he he hits, and he's always hit. So I, Luis Arise is the perfect example of why I pick ability over tools. 
And the other thing about Luis Arias is that he's not the fastest guy. I mean, that nope, he's not at the all. slowest guy here <laughs> on the list with Jazz, Nick Magical, and Nico Horner all showing abilities to steal some bases. You know, uh, Luis Arias also does not have a, a good isolated power, which, you know, slappy hitter, right? And that's still a lot better than Nick Magical <laughs> has what he has shown lately. So, I mean, that's it's still like kind of an upgrade. So, if you're going to give me a, a, a Nick Magical type of player, but with some power and I mean, it's not the best, but it's something. Then I'll, I, yeah, I had to make that move. I still have higher ops than Magical. Uh, Jazz, okay, so basically Jazz Chisholm is probably the most explosive player on this list. Yeah, Lisa Rice I would is agree. the steadiest. Nick Magical probably has the highest upside, but we're still kind of waiting. But there's really nothing. Like, especially if, if Magical does get into one of those top two spots. If he does, yeah. which is, isn't saying he will, but if he does, I think he becomes a very, very dangerous fantasy player. Well, I couldn't wait any longer as uh, the other <laughs> things that were kind of depressing me were uh, the hard hit rates. No matter if you're looking at the Fangraphs hard hit rate or the StatCast hard hit rate, 21%, which is the worst among all of these four players I'm, we're mentioning here. Again, uh, Jazz Chisholm with the highest upside in terms of hard hit rate. Uh, and then Magical at the bottom of that list. And then Exit Velocity, 85 miles an hour for Nick Magical, which is even worse than what you just mentioned about Luis Arias. Yeah. Uh, so, there, let's, so, yeah, there's... I just I I I I like the upside for magical. Don't get me wrong. I like it. I like the speed. I like the the what do you call it? The the comparisons to Jose Altuve, although we're seeing that they might he, have been too far fetched there. Yeah. He's only twenty four. He's only twenty four. Everybody's twenty four. They're all twenty four. <laughs> Horner's twenty four. Jazz Chisholm's twenty three. Luis Arise is already twenty four and has already Luis Arise looks like a very old man. I'm not really sure I believe that he's twenty four. Uh, I'm just saying that, but uh, yeah, Chisholm and Madrigal are both very young and Warner's young, but Madrigal, I can still, like I said, it, you can't really teach his contact ability. You can't, no, but you no. can always teach and develop and, you know, bulk up a little bit, some power and maybe sacrifice a little bit of the contact, but get more of that. You can build that. You can't build like none of the other guys are going to have a contact ability except maybe Arias, but jazz and Nico's contact is, Nico's is good. Jazz is less than, you know. Yeah, it's eh, not eh. there. It's, it's eh. not there. You can't really – they're never going to get up to Madrigal's level. But what, he, what Jazz does have is that he – Power is, speed. Sur, well, not just speed, but he's surprisingly patient. So I'm hoping that those strike – that yeah. very high strike rate that he's shown is more of a product of him being too patient. And maybe he, if he gets a little bit more aggressive – uh, he could take advantage of that 17.3 barrel rate and that 38.7% uh, hard hit rate, which is splendid out of a second baseman uh, if you can, if you can get it. Uh, but yeah, that's and there, that's that's the this week's second base report among this, the, the the slappy hitters I like to call them due to a lack of a better term for them. And that's a good place to stop there, Sean. Unless you want to talk about something else before no, we sign off. That was that was an awesome show, and I can't wait for next week. On the uh, third edition of Nick Madrigal versus the field, <laughs> it's, I'm telling you, I, I, I should have seen that as a, as an omen in the off season when it seems like every other week we were talking about Nick Madrigal and and I think that's going to be the thing. Season one had its own quirks and cranes there, and now season two has its own uh, little queries that we're going to talk about all season long. All right, so I'm sorry. What was that? Go I ahead. said year one was Salvador Perez versus Will Smith. Year two will be Nick Madrigal versus Jazz Chisholm, and that's another guy. No, Will Smith. We need is to get be... their jerseys. We need to get their jerseys. I know. I need a, a stockpile oh, my jersey collection. But funny. no, here's gonna be the thing, though. Will Smith's gonna be an ongoing thing for the rest of the year. Yeah. I'm telling you that right now, because they're the Dodgers. I told you the Dodgers were gonna do this, and yeah, he had a wonderful game last night. 
And then he gets benched for Austin Barnes. Well, I saw there was a piece from one of the Los Angeles beat writers that said that his defense has improved his framings in the 96 percentile so far. And that if his defense stays up, he might, you know, get more and more playing time, but that's just, we'll talk. We can, Hey, save it for next week. Save it for next week. Save it for next week. I, I am ready to go again. Another hour if we got to talk about Will Smith versus Austin <laughs> Barnes because that's really we'll killing save me. it for next week. That's really killing my fantasy team right now. But uh, anyway, uh, we have other shows to talk about. Let's see, we got Dong City. For, uh, Henry was nice enough to join us today on the chat on the comment section. Check him out Monday night. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, the Step Back Podcast. That's on Friday nights, I believe. Although they went on Saturday, so it might be a Friday Saturday thing depending on the work schedule for both Jacob and Leon. The Work Shoot Podcast. It looks like they're back on Thursday nights after WrestleMania. As uh, again, there's just wrestling every day of the week. They had to choose one day, and Thursday seems to be the day to go with. So sorry to hear that about Impact not getting the uh, the love from that show as much because they <laughs> they air at the same time. Uh, and then oh, I forgot Tuesday nights is the Audible. Hey, draft. Draft week, hey. draft week this Thursday night coming up soon. It, it um, I, I forgot you don't have an NFL team, and the Bears are gonna suck anyway. So it <laughs> I really, I'm not looking forward to it. But uh, <sighs> but uh, Matt and Randy over at the Football Life podcast uh, have done a wonderful job trying to break down the NFL draft that's coming up soon. And uh, every Sunday morning, will it be Sunday morning? Will it be Sunday afternoon? You'll never know with us, but it usually should be Sunday morning. We you might not your- know the time, but you know that we're going to talk about Nick Madrigal at some point. Nick Madrigal. Oh, Will Smith. We definitely got to talk about <laughs> Will Smith. We're going to get jiggy with it next Sunday. But every Sunday morning, you, yours truly and Sean over there, we bring you, we start off your Life Group Podcast Week, uh, the Total Basis Podcast for Felipe. I am Sean. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>